Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Brighton Rock Podcast with me, Peter Marsh, and Russell Guyver. Hi, Russ. Well, hello there. We thought we'd turn it around a little bit. I did the intro today as I'm back after a week away. Yeah, marvellous, marvellous stuff, yeah. Well, uh, it's it been a wonderful week, hasn't it? It has been a wonderful week. Yeah, everything's <laughs> gone in Albion's favour. Um, as you might have gathered, today we may well touch on the Palace game and possibly repercussions for Albion over the next few months. Um, along with that, we'll also have a look at the Palace fans and their behaviour on the day. And also question how on earth a team who go unbeaten for 14 months can possibly lose 3-0 at Watford, which is a frankly imp- terrible result. It's unbelievable, isn't it? As if it, it was almost farcical and comically like the, 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 um, the icing on the cake, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> In terms absolutely. Of Everyone else gets the result and then suddenly Watford go and stuff Liverpool. Yeah, not just beat them and stuff them, actually yeah. gain the goal difference as well. Which... But, but anyway, let's, <sighs> let's first start with a... A focus on a certain football match that kicked off on uh, Saturday lunchtime. Your thoughts, having uh, left it now a few day, two days later, Russ. Any any thoughts on the game? Well, <laughs> I mean, for the match day special I did on uh, the weekend, I was, I was strangely in a in a weirdly sanguine sort of mood. I wasn't actually too angry about it. It was almost gallows humour, classic British football fan, I guess. Maybe you either get completely fuming or you you go into the mood that I was in. Um, so I, I probably came across quite. Um, calm about it at the time. Strangely, I still am quite calm about it. I'm not happy about it. I'm very concerned now. But overall thoughts on the game, uh, it came down to one simple fact. Um, we all know what that is. It's, it's the finishing. Um, I thought we played generally reasonably well. I think we were definitely the better passing side. We had 67% possession, the better pass stats. Um, I think we had 444 completed passes, roughly about four times as many as they did, or three and a half, four times. So all of the stats were in our favour. We did create the chances, which sometimes has been the problem, but we still didn't finish them. And ultimately that cost us in the end one sucker punch from a counter. And um, I would say my overall perspective of the game is um, obviously disappointment and we are running out of games now. So, yeah, I mean, I think we didn't make the best of that match. Um, and I think certain elements didn't go our way as well, but mainly we didn't make our own luck. That was the problem. 
Yep, I completely agree. If ever there was a game that summed up a season in one match, it was that, you know, so many games I've come away from this season thinking, well, you know, either we drew or we lost and we should have got more from that game, we should have got more from that game. And guess you should have got more does not get you points. Having more shots on target, having more shots, having more possession does not get you any points in the end of the season. Scoring goals does, and that's been our problem ever since we've been in Premier League. Hmm. And we've yet to address it really properly, except hmm. for Murray's goals in, in spells. We've really not addressed that. I thought my, most, <coughs> one of the most impressive features of the weekend um, was the fact that Aaron Moy managed to win Man of the Match. I was, I was uh, most impressed. He seemed to do that despite being Man of the Match for me. Um, I don't know what they were drinking or smoking in the corporate. Um, I, I can only assume that they must have specifically wanted to meet Aaron Moy yeah. with a pre pre Maybe they were Aussies, yeah. yeah. Or maybe they were watching a game from before he was, he was signed permanently. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that is another point, isn't it? Strangely, maybe it's coincidence, maybe it's not. He has gone severely downhill in his overall levels since he signed the permanent deal, which is bizarre. I, I think it may, if there's not like a particular sign to any teams have picked him up. That Bournemouth game at home, he completely ran the show hmm. and they let him run at their defence and played a brilliant hmm. you know, a number of through balls and scored a goal. And I think probably teams have just picked up and double marked him now and then. But if we had the quality elsewhere, we might be able to take advantage of that, but exactly. we don't seem to. To exploit the space. And who, who do you think, who was your man of the match? Well, I think overall for me, I'd give it to Gary Cahill for the match, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but I think not far behind for me was Dunk, I would say. Yeah, I think Dunk was pretty about the best. The defence, I thought, generally did okay. There wasn't, hmm. They didn't do too much wrong. Yeah. Um, I thought sure. I thought um, Montoya had a solid enough game. Yeah, Burn as Webster, well. Burn. He got the measure of Zaha yeah. actually with a few a few um, sort of um, foot yeah. foot races. He, he obviously with his long gangly legs, yeah. he was able to snuff out the danger. And Zaha was again kept pretty quiet. There's he been a lot of comment on Ryan as well online, which I, I think is ridiculous. He's, I don't think he's done anything with that goal or at Sheffield United the weekend before, where people have been blaming him. Mm. And actually, Sheffield United was probably the man of the match and kept us in it. And yet, I've seen. Nothing but comments of like a lot of people on North Stand chat and other places criticising him. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously just a new scapegoat. Bong's gone. Stevens has been injured. Yeah. So who do we need for a scapegoat now? I mean, Colin, though I have been about the result, I have strategically avoided going on social media purely because there's too many idiots. And I'm just talking about our fans, not alone the Palace fans, um, who just overreact. And yes, we've got a reason to be more worried now. Definitely, don't get me wrong. But some of it goes over the top. And criticising Ryan, I don't see it. I mean, yeah. the, the if you're going to could... criticise anyone, the front six are the ones. I thought yeah. if anyone was guilty, and yes, March had missed a sitter, but it was Malpay, I think, to be honest, that was guilty on Saturday. He missed the one-on-one. Yeah. You can't, I'm not blaming him for the one on the line. There's nothing you could do about that. He was in no, the way. No, and yeah. You can't blame him for that. But he missed the one-on-one hmm. when he should have hit either side of the keeper. Yeah. He also then, I think, a number of occasions, in trying to make up for that, shot on occasions when he should have passed. Yeah. And tried to take a, you know, to shoot on goal. Yeah. And almost to trying to make up for the fact that he blocked Dunk's shot when actually a pass across to Murray or something or yeah. to others would have been a better option. Yeah, it's, it's strange because he, it, it's how do you measure the um, quality of a striker's performance when he did a lot of good stuff right? He did a lot of good movements, uh, running, connections. I think he had the second assist for what would, would have been Solly's goal with the side netting, which mm. I'm sure we'll come to in more detail a bit later on. Um, he did a lot of good stuff, uh, except except for the fact, of course, he missed those chances. I mean, he had one or two prospective shots that were um, probably just half chances anyway, which he did reasonably well with. But yes, you, you're right, he had the one-on-one and unfortunately got in the way of I think, I, I think the most depressing thing for me was that we had eight shots on target in the end. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember um, Gaeta moving for any of them. 
no, they were pretty one. much all straight at him. Yeah, because Solly had the one where he sort of curled it in. It was almost like a, a cross-style ball in, which was just really ineffective, straight to Guaita, yeah. who obviously Marsh is affected with confidence, having missed yeah. the earlier chance. Um, going back to the Ryan thing, I'd, I'd say criticism of him is unfair because I think Ayu did a classic centre-forward thing of hitting it early and low, close yeah. into the goalie. I thought he was quite unlucky, actually, because I thought he almost got yeah. it wide. Yeah, um, I mean, to have got yeah. a heavy, heavy-ish contact on it like that, quite often it would go wide. Yeah. And it's one of those classic things, a bit like Morpé's face getting in the way of Dunk's header. Yeah. Those things go for you when you're doing well, yeah. or when there's nothing to worry about, you relax into it. Somehow it just, it just goes... Similarly at Sheffield United... And there was a lot of criticism of people who were on North Stand chat who were watching at home or whatever or didn't see it. Yeah. But when you were behind that goal, I was at the game. Believe me, it, w- it flew in. There was no way Ryan could have got to that. And to say he could have done it is ridiculous. It's like, yeah, yeah. But yeah, people have decided that he's not you know, good enough now and that you know, Button is better and Walton is better and etc. Cetera, et cetera, even though Button's barely played in the top flight and Walton's not played yeah. at all, yeah. which is ridiculous. And, yeah. A lot of talk about Potter and Potter ball and playing the way we're playing, I really don't see there's any difference in terms of uh, a detrimental effect. I just think it's... I mean, yes, we, we are a little bit baggier in defence on occasion, and um, we're still not scoring the goals. We still have a very good goal difference, though, which is yeah. you know, just our defence isn't that bad. Yeah, and we're in roughly the same sort of position. We are playing better football. I would rather be struggling playing better football than struggling in exactly the same yeah. way not playing good football. Um, obviously, I don't want to be struggling at all, but that's another matter. But I... Still happy for us to carry on being the better team on the pitch, passing the ball around, looking the better side. Yeah, a few wayward passes aside, we we um, we, we look the better team. We just need to get that final third mm. bit right. But we're, given the games we've got left, we're running out of yeah. time. There's not many games yeah. where I mean, Wolves are going to at the weekend and now sixth. Yeah, Arsenal is probably one of our more winnable games actually. Yeah. And then yeah. Leicester, if they play them, they're, they're obviously third. And then you've got Man Man, Man, U, Man City, Liverpool. Yeah. At I mean, home, Paulby. The irony of this is that people people just focus on the one or two games that look easier. They've mentioned Southampton away and obviously Norwich away, but also Newcastle at home. I think Newcastle's one of the ones we want to rely on the least because Newcastle set up with a very very low block. Yeah, they've got um, a, quite a solid organised base as their essence. They just rely on set pieces to get anything in a more adventurous way, and they've got a goalie who is good and. I think against Palace, they were saying a couple of really good saves from Dubravka in that match. Um, so they're, they're the sort of team we struggle to break yeah. down. I do. I agree with you. I think we're more likely to get something from Arsenal at home, Man United at home, who until now we've had a brilliant record with at home in the top flight. Um, those are the games where we're more likely because they open up. <coughs> Having said that, unfortunately, they are in better form than they were yeah. earlier in the season. Um, which makes that seem less likely but I, I'm still confident we'll survive I am now deeply concerned much more than I was before I'm the opposite now really yeah having been very confident I think we'll go down mm. now I think yeah. given the results at the weekend as well it's not just our result but the yeah. fact that others won and yeah. we're now only one point from safety we're probably the most difficult run of fixtures left I think it's we'll, going to be tough but but I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably relaxed about that I've seen us go down from far worse divisions than the Premier League and, yeah. you know, and survive and if you look at I think what people were discussing the other day on uh, on the WhatsApp group, we're both on about the idea of the team that we could still put out, even if we sell a lot of the kind of what you demand as the stars. And the likes of obviously Walton, Clark, mm. Malumbi doing quite well in the championship this season, and yeah. obviously White, although whether he'll stay or not is debatable. Yeah. Um, but mm. you know, there's a lot of players who've either done it, who are playing for us now, who've done it from championship, like of Webster, Byrne, Malpe, Moy, mm. or alternatively ones who are who are doing quite well on loan this year. Hmm. And if we can sort everything out, even if we go down under Potter, I'm confident we can have a decent season. It's 
you know, kind of like dealing with it and moving on and kind of moving forward. Yeah, I think that, that's right. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, we would be well set up to at least give it a good go there. Yeah. It's all about the psychology of, obviously, yeah. the manager and the players, whoever, whoever is in charge and whatever we do do next season squad-wise um, about bouncing back. I think we've got all the criteria yeah. in place. Um, but it, and there's, there's examples, obviously, where that's not happened in recent years, but then you look at teams like someone like Stoke, who had an awful lot of overpaid foreign stars who mm. maybe weren't committed to playing the championship and that was going to be a problem for them. And Huddersfield, on the other hand, sold their better players and brought in youngsters from League One and League Two, and that's not worked for them. Where I think we'd have an advantage is we've got a lot of players who are proven in the Championship, who have done it before, who've yeah. been in top teams. Webster was regarded as the best Championship defender in the last season. Last season. Hmm. Obviously, if somehow we had preferred him to say White's the best one this season. Hmm. Malpe was top scorer last season. Moy was key for Huddersfield promotion. Stevens key for ours. You know, there's a lot of players there who... Walton's having a really good season at Blackburn. Yeah. Ironically, yeah, when you look at it like that, and if, if you phase or you, or you guess the phasing out of certain players that wouldn't want to stick around, yeah. you have got a fairly British... Or UK-based kind of uh, structure there, haven't you? With, yeah. um, and that's before you spend any money as well. Yeah. Lumbi apparently is having a very good season at Millwall. Yeah, well. I've seen him play, and he was, yeah. he's, he's been great on a couple. You of can imagine him and Alzate being a central midfield yeah. partnership for yeah. us, and, uh, and even more pay if, if he did stay with us. Yeah. I mean, he's, there's a Britishness about well, there's at least a grittiness yeah. about him as well. He's played well, in Britain he? most of his proper, yeah. his like, main career, and as you said, the championship. So you know, if the worst comes to the worst, not too bad. I'm yeah, a bit more positive than you are on it at the moment. But I have to say my confidence is yeah. waning, of course. I just don't see where the points are going to come from at the moment. It's, yeah. Especially as we continue this yeah. podcast, which we yeah. seems to have caused us a little bit of bad luck as we were discussing. Ah, I was wondering if you were going to mention that or not. <laughs> we mentioned it off-air beforehand. <laughs> yeah, we haven't actually won a game since we started, Peter. I'm blaming it completely on you. Uh, yeah, I've made it blame on you, actually. Yeah, well, thank you very much. That's all your idea. <laughs> <laughs> but you agreed to it. If you didn't agree, maybe it wouldn't have happened. Who knows? Yeah, well, uh, let's hope we can get a win. So maybe it's last should be sacked rather than Graham Hosser. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Um, the one thing, the one positive I would say is it was nice to get down to Brighty again. Good old Brighty. I haven't been there for a few weeks, but and personal austerity <laughs> measures due to work. I've had to sort of skip a few games. Um, apart from the West Ham away match, I've not been to a game live for a few weeks. And I think if you took out the result and the frustration of the non-scoring. Um, it wasn't a bad game to watch, actually, compared with others that we've had. In yeah, it was a better game Sheffield United, I thought, probably, because yeah. we were more open, we tried to play, whereas I think we went to Sheffield United to try to be solid. And Yeah, yeah. But there we go. It, it is what it is. I mean, it's safe to say, I think that puts Palace safe. I think everyone below them still is potentially yeah. in danger. Newcastle got a draw, didn't they? Um, so that's, that doesn't quite rule them out, but... As I said, they seem to grind results out. But we've got to get the points to, to put them in, trouble, them in trouble as well. Yeah, and yeah. we're not at the moment, yeah. yeah. We need at least 10 points from 10 games. And, mm. you know, when you consider that Liverpool home, Leicester away, and Liverpool Man City at home mm. are three of those, that almost makes it 10 from seven. Yeah. And that's still including Wolves away and Arsenal home and Man United home. So, yeah. You're, yeah. you're running out of games to get the points, really. It's it, tough, isn't it? It's getting tough. Um, we should explain, we've uh, changed location for this week's podcast. Normally we're at the Gladstone Arms in Borough, a fine pub it is too. Um, but we had one of our Seagulls Over London committee meetings that's had to be reconvened due to a closure of our usual venue, um, which has left us in the plush surroundings of Mayfair. And we are at the Market Tavern, I believe, Peter, this yeah, evening. We are. Having a very nice pint again. I can't remember what it was called, but it's pretty nice. It was for pure table beer, I think you were having, aren't you? Oh, lovely, yes, that's it. Yes, exactly. Table beer is the thing, apparently. Yeah. Um, I'm having a nice session IPA. <laughs> um, we should also mention we are sponsored by Seagulls Over London. We're delighted to be so. Um, looking forward to our next event, which will be uh, coming up in March. 
that's going to be with the Albion Raw guys, who I had the pleasure of meeting one, well, both halves of, and interviewing one half of the pod in the match day special on Saturday. It was good to hear from AD, and um, we'll give more details on the event coming up in due course. And, and just to be clear, to do the normal disclaimer, while we are sponsored by Seagulls Over London, all views are mine and Russ's, not held necessarily by Seagulls Over London. Absolutely. Yes. And while we wait for our committee members to join us, where we will pause this podcast for later resumption, we will be inviting those committee members, which is Alison, who you would have heard from uh, on both of our match day specials and also the previous Seagulls Over London special event. Uh, she'll be joining us again. But we'll also be having debutante Roger Bevan, the chairman of Seagulls Over London, will be uh, well telling us about his Albion supporting backgrounds and um, no doubt giving his views, as Alison will, on the match from Saturday. So all that coming up later on. And on the matter of our views being our own, we're probably going to get into some quite fiery stuff later on when it comes to talking about other events that were going on at the weekend. More on that in a while. But that's the end of part one. Uh, we'll be back shortly. Okay, so welcome back to part two of BRP, Brighton Rock Podcast, episode 13. Hopefully uh, the creaking of this table I keep forgetting I'm leaning on uh, isn't too distracting. We'll try and avoid that as much as possible. And not a sun is going to fall apart <laughs> under us as well. So we, in the first part we were talking about the match, Mary Peter, and, well, just basically disappointment all round. We could stomach that. We can understand that, you know, these things happen. Palace can have their moments. We're still ahead on the head-to-heads. We've still got the, uh, the double from last season to bask in. So it's six of one and half a dozen of the other. However... What I don't like is classless behaviour. Um, I've listened to the Palace podcast already and they're moaning about us moaning about the smoke bomb that went off uh, when they scored, just after they scored their goal, uh, which proved to be the winner. Um, but there's been a number of incidents occurred and they've been reported in the press. There was some fighting on the seafront involving Palace fans, possibly with Brighton, I'm not sure. There was also fighting between Palace fans and the police near the clock tower in town. I understand by Leverkusen fans were in town uh, with some of our, say, questionable characters, and there was some sort of incident involving them and the Palace fans at the station. So all sorts of unsavouries going on. We get to the stadium, you've got the usual kettling and all that sort of stuff, which is whatever. Um, but then in the ground, apart from the vile chants about Lewis Dunk, which we just take on, a, on the chin, we then had the smoke bomb went off. Apparently there was um, a woman arrested for trying to carry an offensive weapon into the ground. I think someone else was arrested for trying to bring in a smoke bomb unsuccessfully. Uh, pretty unpleasant, really, overall. A lot of gloating as well, which, again, we take that with a pinch of salt. But uh, pretty disgraceful, I thought. What's your, what's your yeah, uh, view? It's obviously, been, it's obviously been photos of them destroying some of the posters outside the Amex and that sort of thing, which... Yeah. It's low-level, obviously low-level vandalism, but you have to be pretty pathetic scumbag to do that sort of thing. It's just like, yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I don't think you can actually cause any damage to Selhurst. No, exactly. I think you just improve it, so I don't really... <laughs> it, is, it is a genuine dive. It yeah. really is a horrible stadium. So maybe they're going to make our stadium a little bit like ours, like theirs, to feel at home or something yeah. like that. Oh, back on the Lewis Dunn thing, I did actually ask, I genuinely ask out of Palace fans at the station, and they were singing, you know, Lewis Station, they were singing it earlier on the Saturday, and they, they're basically, they're, their basic view... Their basic view was that um, basically that they uh, that he was guilty, even though he was found not guilty. Yeah. And the guy was like, "You'd believe that, then, do you?" And I was like, "Well, yes, he was found not guilty, and the woman admitted she lied." So, yeah. whereas Neil Shipley, that's yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fat, that fat lump that's uh, 
basically a convicted criminal now. Um, but, I mean, yeah, on the dunk front, I mean, he only had an incidental part in the yeah. supposed narrative that had gone on anyway. I so. imagine they don't sing at Steve Cook when they no. go to Bournemouth. No, exactly. But they might hate him, but we, we'd rather enjoy him running the entire length of the Arthur Waite stand <laughs> celebrating us the, completing the double on them last season. So they can take that and they can yeah. stuff that I'd one. I'd say you look it. at the, the different behaviour between Dunk and Zaha yeah. on Derby Day and beforehand, yeah. and Dunk never said anything controversial, never said anything yeah. particularly inflammatory. And Zaha's always on about how he wants to beat Brighton, how it's yeah. like, which is, you know, one because thing. Because the fans had a go at him, but then yeah. that's the same for But Dunk, it's the other way around. I think, well, it's, yeah. I think it's due to that, to be honest, yeah. mainly. Yeah. And then, you know, his behaviour on Saturday was an absolute disgrace. I mean, he'll say he spat on the floor, but I mean, he's, he, he spat towards, you know, the, the, play, you know, the kind of the area where our players were, and that's what warmed me up. And yeah. he's just a nasty, nasty piece of work. And, he's, and the way he got Montoya booked by diving and throwing himself on the floor was yeah. well, frankly I, shocking. I've it's already like, listened to the Paris Re- Review podcast on, I think it's the. Um, back of the nest that I was listening to earlier and they are real squealers they're, they're moaning about that they're saying he didn't spit at the player he just spat on the ground and you do that when you've been running uh, well he wasn't really sprinting just before that incident he was looking to spring the offside trap and, and he didn't spit on the ground he spat towards, in a direction towards Scalotto, yeah. the, the only problem with it was the camera angles that were shown weren't conclusive but I was in that area of the ground. I'm in the West Upper at the north end of the West Upper. Um, I didn't physically see the spitting, but I now can relate when that happened from the, having watched the game back. And he was certainly very close to where Zaha was, Scalotto, when that happened. So he, yeah. he undoubtedly spitted towards, spat towards him. I wouldn't say towards his face, but he definitely spat at him. It's just a disgusting his thing to do. It's like... a vile thing to do. Um, he was sort of cupping his it hands. It sums to... up Zaha as a character, really. I exactly. Mean, he's just a, a particularly unpleasant he's a, player. Yeah, he's, he's a squealing little boy, and people like that just, you know. And the way he got, yeah, frankly, the way he got Montoya booked yeah, in the second exactly. half was disgraceful. Also, he threw himself up in the air, and you, you compare it to actually proper footballers who get stuck in. And I actually think, in some ways, we're maybe not, not good enough at doing that, and not good enough at doing cynical fouls and that sort of thing where we should do. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, the, the, some of the, the time, you know, Montoya getting booked for that is ridiculous. Yeah. I actually thought, um, yet again, that, um, what's his name, uh, the referee at the weekend, uh, who Atkinson, 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 Atkinson proved himself to be at the worst in the Premier League again, yeah, as I mean, he's done so many times. I think of Cardiff away last year, who he, he basically gifted Cardiff the game and made some dreadful decisions. Well, well, Palace don't like him, historically, apparently, for booking Zaha and then having it overturned by VAR or something like that, or sending off. Um, so they didn't like him but surprise surprise they thought he had a yeah. really good game and handled the game well he did he was dreadful he was a doormat how on earth he had three minutes of stoppage time at the end yeah I mean I don't think we'd have scored but three minutes of stoppage time when they spent their whole second half time wasting yeah well, especially once they'd gone ahead and, go, go and back, all those subs back to the Scalotto incident as well ok Scalotto do you book him well you didn't hear what was said if anything was said all he knows is he, maybe that he's kicked the ball towards his legs yeah. not particularly hard either and then said something. Zaha squares up to him. Squares up to him. Never mind the spitting, which is a red card offence if it, if it is spitting at him rather than... I don't think there's any question spat at him. Yeah, there's yeah. no question in my mind. But it, yes, it was downwards, but he spat in his direction yeah. to try and wind him up. Yeah, and notwithstanding that, he also then cupped his hands to the crowd, immediately then reacted to whatever it was Scalotto said, yeah. and pushed Scalotto, not, not violently, there would be a red card offence in its own right, but there was a number Minimum of items of behaviour there. Yeah. How the hell's he not got booked for that? And alongside that, Benteke, having been booked, 
when Webster, when he let play go when Webster had a head injury, yeah. which was not a dreadful decision. Yeah, that, which, Atkinson had an absolute shocker. Which could have led to a goal. It, it should have led to a red card, potentially, because yeah. he swung his arm into Webster's mm. face. Could easily have been a second yellow if yeah. Atkinson was in any way competent. I'd have to be fair and say I'd probably give the benefit of the doubt on that one, because I don't think he, he, he swung in terms of leverage, but it, there wasn't anything particularly vicious. However, players might kind of know what's going to happen there. It's, it's, it's I think he knew where Webster was, yeah. and it's like yeah. so he was, knew if, if he didn't get him, he'd certainly impede mm. him, and he wasn't too worried about worried about getting yeah. him. But they 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 got booked. Um, oh, sorry, we got booked for for offences yeah. they didn't. And the um, other the other actually thing I thought was pretty disgraceful was where Palace fans celebrated their goal because mm. they had the whole one side behind the goal to celebrate in front of their fans, and AU went straight for our fans in the corner. Mm. Yeah, and it's like, well, do you want to incite kind of some sort of trouble or something like that? No, you yeah. go straight. It, it, surely a player, in the moment they celebrate a goal, will go to their own fans naturally. Mm. Yeah. So you've got to kind of think yeah. that you're going to go. It's the other end, it's one thing. Yeah. But if, it's, if they're right in front of you, you've got to actually think, no, I'm going to go to the opposing fans and go celebrate in front of them. Mm. Yeah. And well, it sums up Palace as a club. I mean, let's be honest, they're a club who boast about being in the top two divisions for X amount of years. But then also in that time, have been administration twice, ripped off St John's Ambulance. Yeah, done so much, you know, so much bad in the community and that sort of thing. Have never, in all the years of Premier League, bought off decent ground or built a de- any decent improvements to their ground yeah. when they've been paid hundreds of millions of pounds in yeah. the Premier League. And, and their stadium is a disgrace. It's absolutely yeah. dreadful. It's I, I don't think it's health and safety compliant. I, somehow they must have got a safety certificate. But if you look at the areas when you go into the ground, yeah. it's actually pretty dangerously. Well, then, when we went there, was it, like, it was last season or the season before, you could hardly get in. You literally couldn't, because yeah. it was a sunny day, everyone was outside, gathered around, yeah, and you could barely through. walk through the kind of curbstyle and yeah. get in. Yeah. Well, I've, I've, I've heard news that um, with the, obviously the banners that were damaged, there was also the smoke bomb went off. That's caused burn marks and other damage to the stadium area. Apparently a kiosk is damaged, beyond repair as well. Um, it's got to be replaced. Um, classless behaviour all round really and I've heard about other stuff as well which I won't go into but um, very very disappointed with that more than anything else we, we can cope with um, we can cope with losing and we're, we're I think we're reasonably good losers as far as it goes as I said I mean in, certainly like, used to it this season yeah exactly <laughs> but won't tolerate that sort of stuff so no, um, you know I can't wait to beat those guys next time but there we go anyway that's the end of part two we're now going to pause for our committee meeting but we'll be back with part three with a vengeance with a vengeance <laughs> where you can meet Mr. Roger Bevan making his debut, and also Alison Nicole. So stay tuned. Okay, we're back with part three of our 13th episode of Brighton Rock Podcast, the BRP. Welcome back to Peter. Thank you. We also now have joining us Mr. Roger Bevan. How are you? Hello, thank you, yes. Um, Well, I'm all right, but obviously a bit down after Saturday, but... No, oh, what happened on Saturday? I've, I've blanked it all out of my memory. I've, nothing <laughs> happened, did it? <laughs> I um, won 5 0, didn't we? Something like that, yeah. Why does one get so emotional about these things? Oh, I've got nothing and why, else. And why does it get worse as you get older? <laughs> oh, really? Is oh, that Great, thanks for cheering us up even more than we already were. <laughs> Roger, Roger is the chairman of Seagulls Over London now, taking over from the late, great Mr. Paul Welsh uh, a few years ago. Uh, we'll be talking to you about that a little bit in a moment. But first of all, also to introduce or reintroduce Alison Nicole, who's been on our match day specials <laughs> and the Seagulls Over London live events uh, feature that we had. Hello, Alison. Welcome Hello. back. Hi. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good. Nice. This, yeah. Recovered nice to from. Here on a Monday night. Yeah. yeah. Recovered yeah. just about from yeah. Saturday. Yeah, we had quite a bit of drink. 
actually yeah. on Saturday, didn't we? We we needed it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's one of those things. There we go. To numb the pain. <laughs> Did right. it work? Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took a while, but it kicked in in the yeah. end. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, on the twenty-first pint, <laughs> you got there. So, first of all, Roger, you're, you're a debutante on this show. It's our thirteenth episode. Lucky for some. Where have you exactly. been? <laughs> <laughs> We're sponsored by Seagulls Over London, and you are its chairman. We are also on the committee of said uh, institution. Um, tell us all about your, well, first of all, your association with Seagulls Over London, going back in time, and also about your Albion supporting background. Yeah, Seagulls Over London, I think I joined about two years after it started. It started, I think, 25 years ago. Yeah. And at that time, I reckon it was in, was it the Victoria and Albert pub in Victoria Street? And I happened to be working very close to the St James's Park station around the corner. Oh, yeah. So it was very convenient to go to the meetings there. Hmm. And there, of course, we, were, we met in the area of the pub, sandwiched between the bar and the loo. <laughs> and How I, glamorous. I always remember that one of the times when, when we had Dick Knight up there, and I felt a bit embarrassed for him because... Men and women kept crossing in front of him to go from the bar to the loo and back again. Was he on the loo side of the table, was he? That could have been quite awkward, couldn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think he was just mid, uh, midway between the two, probably. <laughs> and um, so, how long have you been a fan? When, when did you start going to games? Well, I started going back in the 1950s when an uncle of mine who was football mad, but not a Brighton fan, used to come and stay with my mum and dad once a month and we'll try and make sure when he came, the Bryant were at home. Yeah. And I probably tried to come on a day when his team he followed, non-league, non-league Wheelstone, were away. But I'm not sure. Right. And he actually was, came from Southport. He was a Southport fan, really, but had lived in London for donkey's years. So Southport and Wheelstone, that's quite an impressive Well, I suppose because he moved to East Coast in Middlesex, and Wheelstone was a local club, so I guess that's why he latched onto them. Yeah. yeah. So what was it like in those days? Because I'm... I'm 48, so I don't remember that era. But in terms of the football, what was what what were the biggest moments in your early days? Were we going? playing potable? Were, yeah, <laughs> were we playing potable? What what was it like di- in terms of the dynamics of it and the cultural experience at the time? Yes, you always wonder what sort of got you switched on in the first place. But well, funnily mm. enough, I think I probably didn't get switched on through going to a Brighton match. But my dad who used to have a Travelling in a little van round the southeast, and got told by, got told by the same uncle one day because my dad was in London. Got told that Spurs were at home that evening, and he ought to take me there. And we got there at half time and stood behind the goal. And I can just remember the fantastic atmosphere there. And I think maybe what got me sort of going about really liking football. That's interesting. So it wasn't the Albion that hooked you as such? Well, but I, think, it was I think it was just it? this half match I saw at Tottenham, maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure. Isn't that weird as well? A half yes. match itself yes. is nuts. Does it, it count towards a 92? <laughs> but it was the atmosphere. Yeah. And yeah. when I went to the Goldstone in the 50s, was there much of an atmosphere there? Hmm. Not sure. What were the attendances? Probably 13,000 or something, maybe? Yeah. I think the, 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 the Watford game week was like the, one of the biggest crowds I think they got the goals there, wasn't it? But well, I think generally it probably wasn't any bigger than that. No, yeah. I've always stood on the big open side there, and yeah. certainly the Watford match when we went up in May 1958, the 6-0, that was a record yeah, attendance yeah, was, always yeah. there. 30, low, 35,000 yeah, or something, like something like that, yeah. yes. yeah. I know we 5-0 up at half-time, and then my uncle didn't take me to that. It was my dad's business partner who took me there. He'd never been to a Brighton match in his life, I don't think. 
he was a Chelsea fan, but for some reason, I think, said to my mum, he thought he ought to take me because of the importance of the match. Yeah, it seems like there's an intransigence and a sort of like a migratory element. There's all sorts of elements at play, isn't there, when you yeah, go to watch it. football? Yeah, But I went continuously after that. Yeah, yeah. And until I went to work in South Africa in 1975, I think, but he hardly missed a match. Right. At Brighton. And certainly one year, a bit embarrassing really, I was the best man for a colleague of mine in Rygate. Went to this wedding, had to do a, I did a pathetic best man speech, <laughs> and then they'd asked me to take them to the station, which was Rygate or Red Hill possibly station. And I never went back to the reception. I went straight to Brighton and got there for the second half. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. I still think about that. It was very rude of me, really, People but there you go. I mean, did the bride and groom when did they? Eh? You, you say who gave a lift to Hoser Station? I gave a bride and groom a yeah, lift. Well, if they don't turn up, then why should you, you know? Just <laughs> 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 already. That <laughs> 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 should be the end of the wedding, shouldn't it? Everyone should just <laughs> <Yeah>. go home. <laughs> if they've gone to the match. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, that, that <laughs> seems quite logical. Well, probably in those days, the reception carried on, you see. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if the bride and groom were gone, there's not your. Anything of like best man has basically been done by that point. You've got no reason to go back again. We should say at this point, Peter, you're getting married. Later this year, in September, in September, yeah. and your fiance has considerately planned around the Albion. Is that right? It's international break, but then we are going to be in honeymoon for the first weekend, the second weekend of September. So. Yeah, but you can get a flight back for the yeah. day and go back, yeah. can't you, to wherever it is? It'd be quickest marriage ever. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah, that would be going yeah. well. So, so Roger, with you, with the early days when you, your formative years going to games, what was the cultural experience? What would you do generally on a, on an ordinary game where you'd go along normally? You wouldn't turn up at half time or something like that on a, on no. a normal day. What would you? Well, you just mentioned two games you did randomly. What were the sights and sounds and smells? Was it burger vans back then? Was it what, what, what was it? No, I think I can remember probably getting a cup of tea at half time or something. Yeah. But I'm not sure there was necessarily any food on that big open side. Hmm. I always remember. Um, I always remember water? a guy. A guy and his mother used to stand near to me and my mum in those days. Hmm. Actually, it was my mum then rather than my uncle. Ah, yeah. When I went continuously, my mum used to go. Right. And this chap Norman, if, if if the ball went through someone's legs, he would shout out, "Keep your legs together," like your mother <laughs> used to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I used to think it was quite funny. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, yeah. So, how much was it? Do you remember? What, what, how, how much was it to get in then? It's ridiculously cheap, wasn't it? It must have been two or three shillings. Do you think? Yeah. Fifteen p or something like that. I would have guessed. Madness. It's crazy, isn't it? Programs. I have got a first program that's a bit earlier than that. Watford match. And that might have been two and a half p or something. I think. Wow. Well, it would be nice if it was that price now, I have to say. Well, yes, yes. yeah. My penchant for buying programmes. So pretty much more now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, but I can yeah. remember the, the price of my first game, which in 76 was £1 to get in and 10p for the programme. Wow. So that, that was the yes. scale yeah. of yes. in yeah. 1976. Yeah. yeah. So the proportions are about the same, aren't they? Ticket to programme. I think. Mm, not really big. Yes, I think yeah. That's about right. I think Kit Nopi was one of my favourite players. Ah, and he, and he actually next, was a good goal yeah. scorer. And thinking back to last Saturday, I mean, he would have scored some of those. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even would. now, probably. Well, even now, maybe, yes, yeah. yeah. yeah many so players he, would. 
So he, he was the main sort of hero figure at the time, Kit being short for Christopher, I presume. No, don't know, yes, maybe, yeah. Mm. Well, because they had the likes of Glenn Wilson, who was captain for years. Yeah. Left half in was those Todd days. Was Todd Wilson in the same team? I, I never know. Those are the, was that the same well, era? Well, Glenn Wilson's father was the Kit man for ages. Oh. I can't remember his first name now. Yeah. Hmm. Do you remember Tug Wilson? Was he the same era? I'm not sure. He might have been a bit earlier than that, yeah, perhaps, okay. I think, yes. So who, who, do you remember the rest of the team? Oh, no, no. I remember the years when we had Perry Digweed in goal. Oh. And in those years, he used to stand on the other side of the... Uh, on the main stand at the Goldstone. Hmm. And um, an old guy nearby always used to shout out, Well done, Digweed! And we do that at home still. If anything good happens or any little thing at home, we say, well done, Digweed. It's weird, isn't it? That's great. He was still playing. I started watching. He was like, first couple of seasons, I started. Harry Digweed was still in goal. Mm. Uh, early 90s. You, you yeah. get these yeah. little cultures develop, even in the Whitdean era, when I'm of the Goldstone uh, stock as well. But I remember the one year I've had as a season tick holder in the Whitdean, we, mm. we were going along and there's this guy behind us. I think his name was Charlie. And he'd just be going, come on up the blues. Nobody mm. else said blues, yes, really, but it was yeah. just him. And then he'd be shouting out, he, oh, come on, ref, he's taking the piss out of you. It'd become this <laughs> yeah. thing he'd say mm. most weeks. Well, we, we always, the, the, um, the classic Danny Collip like, uh, shout that you used to hear on it at the with Dean quite regularly of, let's have a winner. There have been some great moments. I remember also at the with Dean, I remember there was a game against Southampton. It may actually have been that one where the... Uh, the 9-11 thing happened but there was there was a game anyway where um, Paul Jones was in goal for them and he was barking out all these orders and being with Dean being with Dean it was not very good acoustics not very good sound no, shall we say and someone shouted out sit down and shut up Jones so he did <laughs> <laughs> he sat down and just gestured to us and he got a round of applause from the crowd I love those moments. Ridiculous. Well, I mean, one of the great things. things is the humour in football, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Even watching Sky on a Saturday afternoon, if by any chance one isn't at a match, yeah. I just like the humour of the guys. Yeah. Or Jeff Stelling on that. That's one. right, yeah, that's yeah. really good. It is very funny I mean, sometimes. If you're not a, like, a big six club supporter, you need to have a sense of humour. Yes, yeah. Yeah. You go through so many dreadful afternoons where you wish yeah. you hadn't bothered. If you don't have a sense of humour, yeah. And it, him being a Hartlepool fan, maybe that, that adds into yeah. it the fact that he is from a oh, lower league club. I maybe love that, that buys into it. Yeah. My wife said, <laughs> it's. They've been screaming in the low run and it's like, yeah. no, it's just a mess now. Yeah. Someone's, What's that girl? Someone's chatting and there's a coarse scream in the background. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, it's not the girl, sorry. Yeah. Well, he I just missed. My wife said, whoever thought of that was a genius. The idea of watching people <laughs> watching football matches <laughs> sounds ridiculous, but it works brilliantly, mm. and it's it's good fun. And they have some good people on there. They also have Paul Merson, but the rest of them are good, though. <laughs> oh, they are, yes. Yeah. I mean, talk about humour. One of the other things I remember at the Goldstone again on the under the main grandstand it was uh, pelting with rain all the evening. Half I was with a school friend and went to have a leak at half time. And there was no roof on the thing there. I remember saying to him, "Oh, it's all running down my neck." To which he said, well, "It's because you're not shooting straight." <laughs> well, that's appropriate this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, that's <laughs> right. yes, yeah. No, I think you were shooting a bit too straight. Too straight, straight, yeah. straight, straight yeah. out of the yeah. yeah, that's a good point to be fair. Yeah. 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 There are some mad grounds. I remember going to York away, and then York still, was like, "Yeah, open, they've got yeah. they had an open uh, urinal." which was overlooked by the main stand mm. for the home fans. So there's a load of home fans, all sorts of people, <laughs> looking at fans. male away fans mm. urinating yeah. 
at half time or in the middle of the mm. game or whatever it was. I remember it being a, a, a black painted walled urinal as well. It's probably all the attempted to when they get at York. So. Yeah, it's not great, is it? <laughs> Well, they also used to say at the cop at Liverpool, people used to mm. go in the in the turn up of the person in front, didn't they? That's right. Yeah. You couldn't get out, could yeah. you? Then you were yeah. stuck in there. Guaranteed. Yeah. The two things guaranteed, I think, at the cop: one that you would have wee on your shoes; the second, you wouldn't have the wallet you came in with, or <laughs> any wallet for that matter. Yeah. <laughs> or the hubcaps. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but happy days. So, any other memories from the earlier days, Roger? Um, probably not the only one, but I actually missed all the Premier League matches, virtual the Premier League matches, the really? first time round. I was working in South Africa. Oh yes, of course he was still there. This is seventeen. I came back to. I remember coming back and watching a thump West Ham good, good. and Man City. I can remember us beating easily. Yeah. And my mum and dad queued up for cup final tickets. I came back for the weekend for the cup final, mm. and no one. Well, I had to increase my mortgage. Uh, the chief executive agreed I could chief, uh, increase my mortgage. No one else knew I was coming, so I left Job. I got four o'clock on the Friday afternoon. Mum and Dad picked me up in London Saturday morning, went to Highbury, yeah. stayed with them Saturday night, walked into the office about 10 o'clock Monday morning, and no one knew I'd been away. <laughs> that was the semi final, rather, semi, not the final, yeah, that was the semi final. Yeah. And then I came back for the mm -hmm. final. Yeah. And, I was, the, and the replay. You saw both of them, did you? Yes, yeah. I was, 11, I was 11 and three quarters and missed out on the cup games. But I do remember how empty Sussex was as we experienced the game on that match. I, I was I not even one, so... Well, it was yeah. the biggest ever exodus from Sussex, they oh, said, yeah, at the time, wasn't it? Burglar's Paradise, probably. Maybe, yeah. I was annoyed that they put me in a babysitter and my mum yeah. got to go yeah. instead. Yeah. Well, my mum got to go to the final and I didn't, even though yeah, I was, like, exactly. under one. Why well, should you miss out? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was there, age 50. Yes, yeah. Yes, at both the semi, perched on an old window box. So you're, so you're yeah. saying your first game... Prior to that, had been mid to late 70s. So you My very first game was 1976. We've just checked it out. November yeah. the 27th, 1976. And we began with a, a loss. 2-0 to Wrexham at home. That's not good. Not good. No. <laughs> <laughs> not a good start. But, but that was a good era in general, oh, wasn't it? Yes, we were having yes, good no, results year on year. Yes, Either yes. getting promoted or nearly. Obviously the whole Peter Ward era. And so, yeah, good time yeah, to start yeah. watching. So, yeah, and obviously leading up to going to going to the cup final and going yeah. to Wembley. Yeah. I bet it didn't go so well. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you started just after I went to Joburg. Yes. In fact. Yeah. So yes. So where, um, where were you brought up, Alison? Where, um, where did in, it all start? Um, Lin Linfield, so Hayward Seat. Ah, yes. So yes, that's why my hmm. dad succumbed and started taking me um, so he was down to... He wasn't particularly going before, was he, or...? My dad's from Guernsey, so he had no actual ah. affiliation with any team until he came, came over and um, met, married my mum. And um, so initially lived in Somerset, but then moved to Sussex and right. was looking for a team. Initially yeah. took my older brother up to West Ham a few times and then concluded that was a bit of a faff and it would be better to head south instead and you know, never look back. Definitely a sensible mm. move. Yes. Yeah. So your mum's from Somerset? No, she, um, no, she's from Liverpool. Oh yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. I remember you said yes. off air before. So. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, right. It's funny, isn't it? As I said, the intransigent nature of supporters mm. and people migrate mm. and move about. Yeah. Peter, you're obviously you're a, a Brighton fan because your dad is from Brighton, yeah. but you were brought up in Barnet. North London, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, Finchley, was it Finchley yeah, or Barnet? Yeah, yeah, same thing. Yeah. And I think, you know, even me, I'm born and bred Sussex in terms of I was born in Rustington. I had two oh. or three years in Storrington, and then mm. I, the rest of it's been in Worthing, apart from some oh. time in Patrick. However, my dad is from Essex, so he, arguably he could have been a West Ham fan or something like that. I don't think he was ever mm-hmm. that into football too much. I need to get him on at some point on this podcast. Mm. Uh, he's an ageing gentleman now, but I'm sure he can tell us many a story. Um, but people move around, don't they? People in the West Upper, next to me, a couple of seats a row, anyway, a cu- couple of seats away from me, is a guy who's from Eastbourne, but he's a West Ham fan. I think his dad was mm. from up that way originally and just people change and move yeah I didn't realise you were from Worthing because I lived there for years with my parents before oh, yeah. I got married yeah my sister's in Rustington still yeah yeah. But I was born at a do you know West Meston just at the back of the annex yeah which is yeah. quite coincidental yeah I think yeah. it's just over the hills at the back there yeah. isn't it wow perfect full there's circle a ham- <laughs> oh, there's a little hamlet at the time I'm not sure what it is now is yeah. it a tiny village I'm not sure I think something like that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, those areas are curious. Rustington itself, I, I moved back over to Angmering as a teenager, mid, mid-teens, mm. um, and started to travel into games. And we had all the hoolies from Littlehampton on the train with us. So I got to know them by, well, face and polite nod. Nothing more than that. But it's funny how where people come from and what they do. And mm. Yeah, it's just, it's just people move around. and It's interesting stuff, but... Um, I know I had on last week's show I had Graham who's from well his dad's from Brighton uh, he was born in Brighton but he moved to Wakefield in West Yorkshire age two he's got a younger brother as well both of them have northern accents one now lives in Thornton Heath the other one lives back in Brighton so does the dad and the mum and they've got full on northern accents I also know some others who moved up to Leeds and they've got northern accents the son is born and brought up in Yorkshire, completely Yorkshire, to all intents and purposes, but he's a Brighton fan as well. It's all brilliant. Love it. Yes. Well, it's interesting, just because you know my two sons yes. were born in Joburg, and, mm. and um, I mean, they never had a chance really about being Brighton fans. I always remember they were really tiny in having a bath about six o'clock Joburg time on a Saturday and yeah. I got my radio on in the bathroom yeah. and told them to shout out if Brighton scored and they used to they're about two three years old I would shout out if he scored <laughs> oh, I've done all sorts I remember yeah. tuning into the radio could barely get it from where I was in London just to try and pick up in the slightly pre-digital era and um, the local oh. southern radio um, commentaries mm. and just getting the most obscure, crackly commentary of the games. <coughs> the things we used to do now, it's all just so easy. Well, that's not, I used to have to crawl on the floor of my house in Jobo to pick up a reception <laughs> on, on the overseas service sometimes. You had to crawl oh, on the uh, floor? Crawling on oh, the floor oh, I was to find somewhere where I could get a reception. In the more recent days, really with um, fifth C facts and just literally waiting for the page oh, to turn yeah. around oh, again. Gosh, yeah, if you score or see yeah. One of seven. Yeah. One of yeah. seven. Uh, there was no TV when I went out there mm. nothing at all and the biggest thing was one day out of the blue they suddenly said on a Wednesday evening match of the day would be shown at lunchtime in the cinema in Joburg really? so I used to nip off from the office go in and watch match of the day 
I always remember coming out in, in the cinema. wonderful heat afterwards. But it was yeah. so exciting because we were in the Premier, you know, first division then. So, so exciting going to watch match of the day. Completely different experience yeah. to well, probably right. the average. Yes. Also. Yeah. yeah, that's that's really interesting. Yeah. To hear that. Hmm. And Alison, as as a lady of that era, <laughs> you would have been in a minority, wouldn't you? There or thereabouts? Did you feel like that, or was that not Ooh. the case at all? Because I always remember. I think I think that's that's true. I don't yeah. think there were a lot of young no, girls. Didn't um, feel like it. At the, at the Goldstone in that era. Yeah. I think it was, um, as I say, my dad succumbed to as he started taking my older brother. Mm. I started like I want to come. I want to come. So. Um, was it one of those huff and puff? Oh, all right then. Yeah. Type of... Eventually, eventually, yes. <laughs> Do you think you'd have been wanting to go if it hadn't been for your older brother? Then it was just like literally you were feeling <laughs> left out. Yeah, that's probably true. It doesn't matter where yeah. you move around, doesn't it? My sisters yeah. who are both older than me, I'm 48, so I've got one sister who's about 56, 57, and she, she was into Liverpool when I was growing up. It was that era. She was probably a teenager at the time when Liverpool were dominating, but she moved to London, uh, pretty much the Highbury area, and naturally she got into supporting Arsenal and a load of mates, workmates, people she worked and, and lived nearby, and you just go, maybe maybe you go with the flow where yeah. you move to, it, it depends, doesn't it? Well, I don't know, I didn't go with the flow at all. No, you well, stopped. I went completely oh. against the flow. You're stubborn, yeah. Peter, I like it, I like very, that. Very influenced by who mm. your father... Oh, yeah, mm. exactly. my, my dad yeah, basically said to goes, me... Yeah. My dad said to me when sports. I was young that... My brother had no interest in football until about eight years after I started watching, he was about three years younger, so there was no thing from him, he was, ne- he was never mm. that bothered at that point, but I was just... My dad would basically told me that if I was to watch a lot of games, I could go to Brighton, or if I was to watch Leicester, he'd take me to Arsenal when he could, or take me yeah. to Tottenham, whatever, or even Man U if it came to it. But he wouldn't be able to do it very often. Yeah, well, that's I, why like, my brother out. ended up having yeah. to get rid of his uh, West Ham toupee yeah. and lampshade <laughs> and towel. But I, I mean, it's interesting what you're saying, because I went to Brighton one game and I literally was hooked. Hmm. I don't think there was hmm. any... It was on the back of England's World Cup, which I was discussing earlier, it was like the back of England's World Cup, but 1990 did really well. And I, 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 I played a lot of football, I think, at school before that, but I was, like, hooked by football, I think, by that point. And then I went to one Brighton game, and I think it was just literally of never anyone else I was ever going to support. Mm-hmm. There was no way. I, mean, I, I follow Barnet, and I follow what, um, Boreham Wood randomly in Hamburg, all of whom were quite a random collection of clubs, <laughs> but it's nowhere near the same well, as Brighton. Glad you mentioned Hamburg. We yeah. were talking about the Hamburg well, derby, weren't we, Peter? Yeah. I'm a um, St. Paulie man myself. We won away well, against just, all the odds a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> let's just focus on the league table. That's right. We're <laughs> safe. That's all that matters. I say we in the very loose sense of the word. I've but, never yeah, been there. There's nothing I... Yeah, it's like I've, I've never any question from the moment hmm. I watched that game at Watford that I would support Brighton. What about, you You mentioned your two sons who, for the record, are twins of the age yes. of, what, how old are they now? Um, 40-ish. 40-ish, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they've been lifelong Albion fans. Oh, well, they didn't have a chance. Did have a they, chance. Yeah. But is that, that's the question. Was there any ambiguity about it? Was, was there any uh, fluctuating of opinions or interests from them? Or were they unwavering? Were they straight into it? Oh, straight in. Well, yes. Mm. I've always believed that little kids mm. are so impressionable at a very young mm. age. And mm. so once it's there, you can't... So the level of interest from the father or yeah. mother or whoever yeah. it is that's the influence... Yes. ...dictated all. I would say so, yes. Yeah. yeah. I think so, yeah. I mean, my dad was far more probably passive about it. He'd go to the games, he was interested. Mm. I think he'd adopted them as yeah. his team, but he wasn't an ardent, passionate fan... But he took me along and I, I got hooked in the same way you did, Peter, just 
the experience, yeah. the science itself. My dad had nothing like that. He would, he, mm. his, there was no kind of parents taking it. It mm. wasn't like hooked by his parents was like that. It was all through school and his mates going sort of thing, living in Brighton. And he's like, kind of, so yeah. that's the alternative, of course. If you like, if you get peer pressure locally, I mean, yeah. certainly in the days where probably more people supported the local club rather than maybe supporting the big teams like they do now, mm. maybe more often. It's like all his all his mates at school supported Brighton, so he went along to Brighton with his mates. So, yeah. I mean, we all work our diaries around the fixture list, don't we? The, t- oh, the fixture yeah. list is my diary. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not actually <laughs> so much now. I'm missing more. I think this season's been the least I've been to in terms of games. Well, because I'm getting married, mm. it's kind of like it's things of things kind of yeah take over. I suppose. We should say you are a season ticket holder, and you did do yeah. every game in the first year. Two years of the ago, friend. yeah, I did every yeah. game. So but we're not, not talking done as many to last two years. I think mm. probably so. I think I missed, and I ended up missing like 13 or 14 games in the Premier League this season, which is mm. quite a, it's more than a third of the games, which is unlike me. That's not disgraceful, really. Oh, no. yeah, it's it's dear, oh dear, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. that, for me, that's a lot. I'm like, just missing the, the wins. Yeah. I've only well, we all are. I've literally yeah. missed one win this season for all the yeah. fact I've missed quite a lot. Bournemouth home is the only game I've missed that we've won. Mm. Yeah. Well, well, I've still not seen the win since early December, though. I don't even reckon to miss if I go on holiday, and then I try and fix the holiday to miss as little as possible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's a good plan. Mm. Um, yeah. Speaking of lacks of wins, and getting on to the more gloomy subject of today, the here and now, I've spoken with Peter earlier in the podcast about our views on the game and everything else. Uh, Roger, what, <coughs> did you think, what did you think of the match on Saturday? What was good, what was bad, and what was ugly? Well, it's one of these stupid things that had we got a goal earlier on, which we might have done, then we'd all have felt differently about it, wouldn't we? Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I, looking back on it, the most frustrating thing, which we weren't doing earlier this season, but did loads of it last season, was all this passing it to and fro between the guys at the back, mm. getting absolutely nowhere. Yeah. And I don't understand what's happened this season, but in my own mind, things seem to change once Dan Byrne got injured. Mm. I reckon we were doing okay then. It's not a good reason, but it seemed to me once he was off for a few weeks injured, we just weren't the same again. Yeah, and you're not necessarily saying that's to do with Bernardo, who I think in his own right came in and did okay, didn't he, in, in replacement. But you used to think somewhere along the line that the whole team dynamics. is not. Yeah. I mean, earlier in the season we were doing some great moves and attacking really well and we're feeling really up about it. Where suddenly we're not feeling quite that because the moves are not quite there mm. as they were then. I thought Saturday we were back to as good as we've been in that sense, some of that sense recently. It wasn't as smooth as it was early Maybe in the not season, smooth, I don't we think. We attacked with a bit more, you know, meaning, and we had some really good chances Saturday. Mm. Yeah. We should have scored. We did, yeah. Whereas I think recently we've not really had that. We've just, you know, kind of got the odd goal, but not really kind of. Even yeah. West Ham, we got three. We only were, we kind of flipped yeah. mm. two of those. Well, we had three or four times as many passes as they yeah. did. Pass completion was above theirs as well. Possession stats I, I were good. I thought we were back very much to where we were in the season on Saturday. Yeah. Where we were outpassing teams, outplaying them, getting more chances, but just not scoring. And that is yeah, the problem. That's why you know we had a crazy number of actual shots. Mm. I think it was twenty-four shots, but. We, we just don't seem to have... Yeah. I didn't I really understand why we didn't have our players that are most likely to actually score on the on the pitch. Well, we could have predicted more. that if they'd sit deep and Murray would have been better off doing up like there against that seen, rather than more pace, maybe. I'd or, like to have seen Murray start. And yeah, yeah. I thought, you haven't... Joe Hambach. That's the one. I actually was rather good when he came on. Yeah. I thought he, I he thought looked so more likely to get a goal mm. than anyone else. But so. it's been discussed elsewhere. Do we have a lot of players who are better off the bench? 
That's the yeah, worry. Yeah. But wouldn't it be true to say that if you had a much more settled team, they would actually know each other and would, would sort of be able to anticipate better what's yeah. going to happen, but yeah. keep changing it around? I, I kind of get where Potter's coming from in the sense of playing a team to suit the opponents. Well, I see that uh, as well, yes. game, for example, yeah. we played a lot of big players, and it worked quite well. Mm. I thought it would, yeah, we, we actually kept them, we were quite solid. They were fifth in yeah. the league at the time, or sixth, and we... We got a pretty creditable draw out of it because he played the right team. And I thought it was a reaction to the Christmas game when we got bullied by them when we were at home to them. And they bullied us off a board and they kind of they outfought us. Mm. And we reacted to that. And in a way, I can get that and get that we yeah, wouldn't play that same yeah. team over Palace because oh. we should be going for the win there. Mm. But I do agree with you that maybe if you don't, like the partnership built up like Duffy and Dunk for two or three years, yeah. don't get to play that often together anymore. Well, even because, Bruno and Knockout yeah, used to work yeah. pretty well together. And I've and said, so there's, two, there's two sides to it. We have gone from the, the two extremes mm. because Hewton used to be so conservative and play the same team as yeah. much as he could. And then Potter doesn't play the same team every so, week on week ever, I don't think. I said before how Hewton in a pre, pre-season conversation I I was lucky enough to have with him. He was talking about partnerships and how well it was all going with partnerships. And that really is a big thing. Yeah. I think cohesion, synergy, mm. all those sort of words you can use, it comes into play to a certain degree. But I do agree with you as well, mm. Peter, that looking about um, different strokes of different folks, yeah. you know, just, you just pick the... There's a balancing act between the two of yeah, yeah. over the last... I think, I think where yeah. I, we have been unlucky, and I've said it elsewhere as well, is that um, I think we, the one player who um, games that we've, we've got who can open up defences who we've not had for the last almost two seasons now is Izquierdo and that second half of our first season up he was brilliant and he mm. opened up the fences with he was very quick into play he was very you know he's obviously got real pace yeah. and we've missed him the last two seasons massively he play, when he played last year he wasn't fit yeah. and he's not played at all this season yeah, I also believe Solly March can do a bit of that, but again, he's never in the team consistently, is he? Right, I'm so I'm playing wing back, and he's a confidence player. Yeah. So yeah. I think going in and out doesn't help. I don't think, no. I think March's pace is nothing like Izquierdo's, and also mm, his skill no. as well. Mm. Izquierdo, I've been on record saying before, but I, I do think I, I thought he might be spent having just the second of those two major injuries. Yeah. It was always likely to be a problem. Frustrating at Columbia. He barely played for Cumber at the World Cup and mm. he came away with that ridiculous with that yeah. massive injury. And I, I think he might be done. He might make an appearance, but I think he's done as a yeah. as a major force. Well, I mean, he was such a big thing with pace. Mm. And when you've had two massive injuries that kept you up for two years, you can't get your same pace back yeah. at that stage. Yeah, it's frustrating. The other one's McAllister. Uh, wow, he's not featured... We don't know what's going on behind the scenes, so we, this is always going to be the problem with these discussions, not knowing what's happening behind the scenes. There might be a good reason. It is but, inexplicable having these two people on board, yeah. isn't it? I mean, he's a serious talent. Yeah. People rave about him. Mm. They talk about him being not suitable for the big match occasions as a baptism of fire type thing. But, but every he, game's a big game now, because yeah. we yeah. basically need to get win. And he's, he's been game. at Bombonero, he's been in, he's been in Super yeah. Classicos with Bocker against River Plate. But this is nothing saying this, He is ready for it, so why is he not... Yeah. I know, it's like, it makes no sense that mm. I'm on the bench at least if we're going to bring him back from Bocker. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But there we go, we'll, we'll have to see, we'll have to see. Roger, have you enjoyed your first... Uh, experience of uh, the podcast. How's it been for you so far? Well, yeah, it's very good. Whether I enjoy listening to it as much, I'm not sure. But <laughs> others hopefully will. At least. Thank you for inviting me. No one likes, me. <laughs> no one likes the sound of their going, own voice. Are you going to Molyneux at the weekend? I am. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Alison, yeah. you're going as well, aren't you? I already Absolutely. know the answer. Absolutely. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. No, we, no, no. I'm, not, I'm the only no. one not going. Mm. Oh, oh no! Nice. Too many coronavirus and stuff. All going. <laughs> 
like people like the blocks of running London still or something. So we, we didn't lose there last year, did we? Yeah, because yeah, we just don't get beaten by them. Yeah. Do we? A great record against. Them. Could, yeah. could we pull it off again? I think my dad's from the last oh, six times there, and we've drawn every single game. There. <laughs> <laughs> he missed the, the promotion season. He was he could going around the room. Could, could we do it? Do you think, Roger? First of all, I, I would say we could. Yes, when Wolves having won three two at Tottenham last night, or feel that they could sort of be overconfident, couldn't they? Yeah, could be, could be. Yeah. Alison? I'd like to believe, yes. Mm. Yeah, I'll go for a 1-0. Love it. Very good. I'm going for the beer and the curry. <laughs> <laughs> and a ball draw at best, is it? Yeah. I, I just don't see it. At no. the moment, I just don't think we're, we're up to it. Sheffield United, we got a draw, but they're... I think Wolves are a different class to them. Mm. So uh, I, by the way, I forecast one all for that one in the predictor. Oh, oh, did that it? was pretty good, I thought. Yeah, okay, good, good, good. <laughs> what are you prediction this weekend? I then, got yeah. Saturdays wrong, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I, think I, I think, yeah, sadly, it's a defeat yeah. this weekend and, and yeah. probably relegation. And again, just going around the room, are we going to survive? I'm, I'm still in two minds. I think we still can, but it's getting very borderline. Roger, how do you feel about it? Do you think we're going to... No, have... regrettably, I'm feeling pretty negative about it. Yeah. Just because of the fixture list mm. and the fact we've clearly been the worst team in the Premier League this year mm. so mm. far. Yeah. And you just can't see what's going to change yeah. it round. Yeah, and the other relegation contenders seem to be playing Pe- rather well. Yeah. Um, it's only if wins. that could change patterns again, mm. Mm. whether that changes. But And Peter, I've I heard your view earlier. I just don't think we're going to get the points from, to be honest. Marvellous, great. However, how, how, uh, <laughs> end on <a> cheerful. <laughs> <laughs> well, let us, let us end on that lovely cheerful. Especially we carry the podcast. <laughs> Given our records so far. <laughs> But there we go. Well, we'll we'll have to see, won't we? Here we are on Monday evening. And we'll all be there in the championship next year, whatever happens. Exactly. Like, we'll yeah. we'll be there, whatever yeah. goes on. If we go down again, yeah. you'll still and be a few, there. And a few new a few new grounds. Yeah, yeah exactly. Stand so or falling up to... the Albion and all that. Yeah, I've just renewed my season ticket yesterday. Yeah, I did mine today. Actually. Did you? There we go. Yeah. Then. I'm hoping for the local games. It's on an automatic. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, is Peter, it? Oh. Peter, oh. Peter, oh. Peter lives a walk to a game, which would be pretty impressive. Peter lives near Charlton's ground now. So I'm hoping they stay up. Oh, so do I literally you? walk to a game. Yeah, it's like ten minutes walk from my ground, my, from my ground, from my house. It's one of the nearer ones for me as well. Mm. Mm. Excellent. I literally did four minutes from Charlton Station, so that would be yeah. an incredible game. So for lots me. of positives. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Right, go yeah. that, there's a pub right on the river that I go to with my neighbour, who's a childhood fan. Anchor and Hope, yeah. I know Is it the might be, Hope. yes. Yeah. I don't know if that's the same one you were talking about, yeah. but I know that pub. It's very good. Mm. Very good. Excellent. We're Anchor and Hopeless if you watch Albion. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're sitting in this kind of funky upstairs of the, the bar that we're in, the uh, Market Tab. It feels like one of those locations that Gabby Logan gets for the Premier League show in the second <laughs> half of the year. Are they doing that this year? If not, I feel like we, we could, couldn't we? Although I have got a... Have you the championship show? I've got a face for radio. I've also got a voice for silent cinema, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, it's quite a funky space, isn't it? Have you enjoyed it? Not Here is good. Yeah, oh yeah, good. good. Yeah, yeah good yeah. selection of drinks. Oh, the beers are great. Good, good oh, food. Oh, very... I've not, not tried a selection. I had one really good beer and then changed. Uh, <laughs> very, f- that. very friendly staff. <clears throat> and, and a beer, Peter. Quickly, just in case anyone's interested. Was uh, purity, it's a sesh- purity brewer, brewery session IPA, and it's excellent. Highly recommended if you like. Yeah, beer. and he's not even slurring it, which is quite impressive. You're my best friend. <laughs> Peter, thank you very much. Thank Alison, you. thank you for coming on again. And Roger, welcome. Hope you've enjoyed it. Yes, thank and you very much. And hopefully we'll hear you again. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Up the Albion. Stand or Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.